training, mindset, integrity, incremental improvement. What can you do better today? Start right here with the Pendola Project. Welcome back, everybody, to The Pendola Project. I am your producer and usual co-host, Jake Parker. Today's episode, episode 67, is all about the male and female perspectives of fitness and our special guest, and really, she's a new hostess, Erin Pendola. Did you notice that last name similarity? Yes, Erin is Matt's wife. She is the other half of this entire business. She's been a little bit behind the scenes, and now she makes her debut as a podcast host. So I know you'll enjoy it. It was fun getting to edit this episode and listen to Aaron's perspective. I learned some new things about her. For example, I didn't know that she specialized in jazz dance, and I even learned a little bit about what that is. Aaron is an LMT. She's a martial artist and an ex-professional dancer. Now, you may be thinking, Jake, if Aaron is hosting the show with Matt today, what are you doing here? And you know I couldn't leave you alone entirely. Quick update on me. Don't worry. I'm fine. Just out of an abundance of caution, I was distancing myself from anyone I didn't need to be around. There was a questionable situation with the health of one of my coworkers at another job. Good news, he tested negative, so everything should go back to normal very soon, but like I said, we wanted to be careful, so I was just keeping my distance from everyone that I didn't absolutely have to be in the same room with, and as you know, Matt and Aaron have a small daughter, and I just would have felt terrible if I had caused any kind of ill health toward her, but like I said, co-worker tested negative, everything's gonna be fine. And I now see why those quicker coronavirus COVID tests are such a big deal. It took about six days for him to get his results, so we were all a little anxious during that time. So sit back and listen up to Matt and Aaron Pendola. You'll hear the dynamic duo's take on being small business owners, as well as renowned fitness coaches. You're gonna learn the differences between their styles, even though they have the same universal foundation that you've been hearing from our podcast. You'll hear some of the different between training for men and women, and even though those differences are probably not what you're thinking, there are some. And this episode is fun because Matt and Aaron are a great power couple, and hearing them do this podcast together is an example of that. So here I go, back behind the curtain, to present to you episode 67, Male and Female Fitness, with Aaron Pendola. Well, today we have a very special edition because this is the first time that my lovely wife, Erin, will be joining us as a host. We have gotten a lot of requests to get sort of the female perspective on things, and Erin is more than happy to join us. She's been in the background working with us with the podcast and, of course, Pandola Training all this time and years and years and years into our careers. So, Erin, welcome to the podcast. And, well, first of all, thank you for being here. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Hi, guys. Yeah, as you know, um, I am Matt's wife, and uh, we've been training together for, gosh, 13 years now is I think is when I started um, my training career but prior to that I've been born and raised in Reno and professional dancer for many years and over the last four years really got into martial arts and jujitsu so just a different um, athletic avenue I guess going from dance to the martial arts so that's been a really great transition um, strength training of course 
and not so much of the running side of things. I usually leave that to Matt, although I have been dabbling in that a bit more doing some Spartan racing. So yeah, that's my, that's my brief athletic history. Yeah, I think everybody assumes that you're a runner since you're married to me. They do, and they're wrong. <laughs> Just like you can't assume I'm a dancer. Actually, I took professional dance lessons, and I was sort of getting ready for our wedding, but that never really happened, and I never really learned, and I think that you just laughed at me when I tried to dance. I never did that. No, you would never <laughs> laugh at me. Just like I would never laugh at you when you try to run. Untrue. <laughs> <laughs> we might have laughed at each other along the way. So we're talking today, though, about how we train. And it is, I will say, Erin is very humble. But look, guys, you've heard me talk about her before. She is an incredible athlete. Being a professional dancer is considered to be one of the hardest sports that you can do in the world. And I would tell you, just watching her back in the day, I would tend to agree. A lot of preparation went into being as coordinated and as strong and as balanced and as rhythmic as you were in, wasn't it modern dance that you focused on? No. What was it? Um, we uh, Jazz is the general term and that's more of a, how do I explain that? Um, yeah, jazz, people that know dance would say, you know, that's what you'd see. So you have hip hop, okay, so we know that, right? Modern, that's a little different. And then you have jazz, that's that's more of the mainstream. Like if you were to see a dance scene in a movie, a big group dance scene where they break out into a, into a dance, that is um, the more general term would be jazz. Okay, so I was just confused there, which doesn't surprise people listening, I'm sure. But I was thinking that jazz was modern because in my mind, I think that looks like modern. Well, yeah, and some people hear jazz and they think jazz music. Well, no, two different, two different things. So as an athlete, as a dancer, what was the hardest part about trying to be the best athlete slash dancer you could be? Oh, my goodness. Um I don't think it ever came easy to me. I mean, I had to work really hard and, and of course, you know, being surrounded by some really amazing dancers growing up was very helpful. And my longtime teacher and mentor, Gina Hernandez, who is still operating Dance Unlimited here in Reno, um, you know, she taught me everything that I know. So, gosh, the hardest thing, I don't know if I could pick just one thing, but it definitely took me um, daily dedication to to get to where I got to in my in my dancing career for sure. I don't think I was naturally um, gifted per se as some people may have been. I feel like you were pretty lucky to have Gina too. She's oh yeah, Gina. I don't know if she listens or maybe I'll you know point her in this direction after we have this conversation. But yeah, she's just amazing and. Um, I, she's been doing this for 30 plus years at this point. So she's just a master. Yes, I was very, very lucky to have her in my life for sure. So just before we get to our main topics today, I do want people to understand that when I work on programming, when Erin works on programming for her clients and our athletes are all sort of a collaboration between the two of us. So we have over the years come up with a lot of our systems together. And it's really important to me to be able to ask Erin 
what she would respond to or even for her to tell me what she really looks forward to with certain movements. And we're going to talk today about there might not be a different need for a man and woman as far as how rep range and things like that. But what excites you about doing certain movements there, let's face it, there are certain movements that as a guy, I think I like to do that may be a little bit more meatheadish. And there are certain movements that I know that you like to do as a babe, I mean, as, as a woman that you understand that it excites you, but also probably that it's going to give you certain aspects and benefits that let's face it, we all want to be able to achieve. So we thought we'd talk a little bit more about that, but first I wanted to make sure that everyone understands Erin's background. She's also an LMT as I am, and she also has a lot of clients who have been with her for years and years and years. Now we're talking about more than the, the last I'd say 12 to 15 years or so that she's worked directly with clients as I have. So a lot of experience together and even independently as athletes and trainers, right? Yeah, I agree. So let's go into how we train first. What are the similarities and then what are the differences really? So we've already kind of mentioned with cardio, I like to run, you don't like to run. So let's just start off with that. Well, everybody already knows my cardio, what I like to do. So I'm gonna stick mainly with what you like to do for your cardio. What, what have you been doing? What do you like to do? Well, traditionally for my cardio, I would mix that with my strength training. So I tend to go with more of a circuit style of you know a training method where you know i pick whatever depending on the day or the week whatever that may be you know five to seven movements per session and that's my circuit and they're upper they're lower they're compound movements there's some isolated movements it's just kind of a mixed bag but that is really where i think i built my my cardio in the in the strength room um more of circuit style and then of course before yeah, when, that. when you say cardio, I just want to make sure people understand going with maybe higher repetitions and lighter weight. When we say lighter weight, probably 30 to 50 percent of, say, your your max effort weight, something like that. That's lighter, maybe even down to, say, 10 percent if you're using a med ball or something, but keeping your heart rate up, maybe keeping your recovery time down. Yeah. Right. And that's and, and we'll get into the benefits of that, but also, you know, how do you balance that out with getting stronger so that it's not just cardio all the time? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, even if it is a circuit, that doesn't mean you can't do, say, one set of higher volume of a certain movement. And then the next set you go into a heavy, you know, Bulgarian split squat, let's say for, for five to six reps, you know, that can definitely be mixed in the same session and you're still getting a good cardio benefit from that. Um, and then again saying that yeah i'm not a runner but in the past gosh it's been th almost three years now my friend jessica uh got me into doing some spartan racing so i did actually have to start running or else the spartan would have been extremely difficult <laughs> to compete in so um i do run a little bit now but i would say yeah generally my cardio does come more in the in the strength room and then of course martial arts too that's highly you know demanding cardiovascularly so i think i get a mix of my cardio from a few different uh, areas yeah there was that initial demand for you to be able to run because in your testing for your black belt 
that was where you were awarded best tester, by the way. Thank you. And I remember that you really did not want to do the running part. We were all kind of laughing that you had to. And then, of course, there was that was part of your why now. You had to embrace it because you were going to have to test on it. Uh, Jessica that you mentioned, she's another person you do martial arts with. And she started getting into Spartan racing, which, again, it's kind of funny because you were watching me in the world championships and just shaking your head at Spartan and saying, I don't know why you would ever do this. Oh, yeah, I never thought that was something I would enjoy. <laughs> and that was actually the only Spartan race that I went into that year and after that it's just that i've had other goals i do plan getting back to it but what's funny is now you're more of a veteran than i am in spartan yeah but i do the sprints you do the the beasts or the what is it the beast yeah the beast that's yeah. the main one i like the sprints and that's another good point i think though that just looking at what works for you and different animals we're different animals you and i you are a much more explosive type of athlete uh, i mean quite honestly i'm not just blowing smoke you are one of the more elite athletes that i've uh, i happen to be married to you but you, but but i i haven't seen many athletes as versatile as you i think that you could really train your body to do many many things you don't have the desire to want to go run up a mountain for a few hours like I do. That's not really what gets you going and excites you, but you could. I mean, you have the potential to do any of that. And so I just think that your spectrum is actually really versatile. Do you ever see yourself doing any longer type of events or would you always stick with the shorter events? Um, before the whole covid crisis that's happening now you and i had talked about doing a spartan together well the same weekend but i was going to attempt the super which is the six mile so or sorry 6.2 i believe now but double the the length of the sprint so i was going to give that a go and then my friend jerry i don't know if she's listening either but my friend jerry is a runner and she was talking me into doing an eight mile uh the tahoe trail the one you did last year, the Tahoe Trail in June, which I'm not even sure that's going to be happening anyway. So yeah, the, but that's probably like the the max for me. You know, I don't even think I'd want to do anything over that. But yeah, so I'm I'm willing to give it a go. Yeah, and for the husbands out there, don't feel bad when your wives don't listen to you, but they listen to your friends because uh, we're all in the same boat there. Seems like you will do what your friends uh, can convince you to do these things. Yeah, I never because, could because that means I have a training partner. That's true. You That's know, I true. can't train. We, we can't train together, really. I mean, we can, but it probably wouldn't be enjoyable for either one of us. So, Well, mainly because of, we have a daughter that w one of us is home for, that sort of thing, really. Yeah, but like the other day, and you go out for a three-hour trail run with Billy. I'm like, there's no way that I'm into that. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you have somebody to train with. That makes a world of difference. Yeah, and just so everybody listening is aware, I have my assistant, Billy, that you guys, of course, listen to on the podcast. Uh, he and I work together daily to get these projects done, but I do limit my exposure outside the family. It's really just Billy that I've been around. And even, by the way, for Jake, who I'm sure is listening right now, sure, he's fine, but he is quarantining himself at this time because there might have been a risk of exposure for him. So you may be hearing more of Aaron and I in the next couple weeks. And so, hey, it'll be a nice little change for us and some new focuses to talk about. So looking
looking at our cardio and our strength, I also wanted to just revisit the conversation of what type of cardio you like to do. High intensity interval training is a big part of athletic training. So to be very clear, when I have my athletes doing hill sprints as fast as they can for about six to 10 seconds, to me, that's high intensity interval training. And they'll do 10 seconds on and then even a couple or a few minutes recovery before they even go again. But with somebody like you, you like to do this more in circuit fashion within the strength training, which I love to delve into that more. Technically, that's not to me high intensity interval training. That's interval training for sure. And it has metabolic effects and also has some great bang for your buck, kind of getting good density in your training, getting more done at once, I guess is my point. The big difference between you and I, and I don't think this is so much because I'm a man and you're a woman, but more because I will go out and do that three hour trail run. I'll go out and do hill sprints separately from my strength training. So a lot of times in my strength training for me personally, I am trying to go heavier on my lifts, take more recovery. And in fact, you guys listening in the past to Win Allen, she was talking about how she got stronger by training with me and training differently for a while to where finally her main focus was just on getting as strong as she could. And she was just surprised at how much downtime there was between sets. When I say that, there's definitely should be some active rest there. You don't have to just sit there. But the main focus, getting stronger, meant more recovery time in between. And traditionally, that is different, I think, between a lot of men and women. Partially, though, I will say that estrogen does play a role that a lot of people, I think, aren't aware of. Obviously, people know that women have more estrogen than men, but estrogen is really good to help us recover. So I do think that that's in part why a lot of female athletes don't need quite as much recovery as male athletes. So we have our strengths and a benefit by specifying what kind of training we really need the most, but also just by realizing even hormonally what serves us best. But what kind of high intensity interval training or interval training do you like to do? Give us maybe your favorite training session for something like that. You want the movements like? Sure, yeah. What I would do, gosh. Um, there's so many as we've been going through our app and and you know trying to record all our, our videos and our movements. I mean, we have lists and lists of movements. It's like every day I think like, oh gosh, remember that one and let's do that today. So. Um, if you want, I can give you a specific, you know, so I would go probably starting something after I did a core activation warm up circuit, um, just to get my body moving and, you know, fire up my, my glutes and my anterior core, um, get those going. I would generally start, I tend to be much more, um, hip dominant focused. So something with a squatting motion is always my first movement of my workout so starting with some form of squat movement um, you can make that a compound movement adding in some upper body work with your squat there's so many variables um, i tend to start like i say with that and then i would go into probably um you know another compound movement but maybe say focusing instead of on a squat i would go with a hinge and then maybe a lunge and then a push and a pull for the upper lower body and um i do throw in quite a bit of chin up 
and or pull-up work um, because that is something that I had struggled with for a long time, not being as strong in those areas and also push-ups. So some, you know, you can keep it pretty basic, but usually, you know, a few compound movements and then maybe a few isolated strength movements in that same circuit. So if you want it to be more intensity interval metabolically say you want to get your let's call them sweat sets sometimes yeah. that's what we refer to them as and versus a day where you are going to focus a little bit more on uh, building your strength you know and and then maybe finally do you try to ever combine those type of efforts yeah and there's another you know if i'm in the gym which is obviously where you do your strength work most of the time when you're able to we do have the woodway the curve in here we do have a versa climber we do have an airdyne bike or you just have a jump rope you know something i will do that some days where you mix in just some quick um you know anywhere from one to two minute i'll call them bursts okay so you're doing like a a good you know say three strength movements compound or isolated whatever you've planned for yourself that day and then you throw in a one to two minute i say sprint which i know is not technically the right term because you're not able to really you know full sprint for one to two minutes but for me i say sprint which just means i'm giving my max effort um for that time so i'll jump on the curve and i'll run for one to two minutes i'll jump off i'll continue with my strength circuit for say three movements and then i jump on the airdyne same thing one to two minutes there jump off do my my circuit jump on the versa climber so you just kind of mix it up get a good variety but that definitely um ups the the effort if you throw in some some quick intense cardio in between i love it yeah and by the way you mentioned something really important because burst i do kind of try to verbally try to switch up my language to where it's going to be universal for everybody so i like burst yeah but I get it because saying the word sprint, we both know what that means, but technically, yeah, a sprint is gonna be about 12 seconds or less, right? So good burst training, and man, when you work, you really work, and this is one thing I will humbly say. I remember years ago, there was, when we were kind of in our heyday, and we had all of our trainers working out together, doing the session, and every week, another trainer would be in charge of the sessions to run everybody through it. And when you would be in charge of our sessions, everybody was just, well, we were excited to get in good sessions because we knew that you were a great trainer, but everybody knew we were in for it. I mean, it was just brutal what you would put us through. But let's just talk about that a little bit. Has your training changed at all over the years with more that you've learned about recovery? We mentioned a little bit about how recovery can be a little bit different between not only male and female athletes, but also younger and older athletes. And let's face it, we're both starting to get a little older. So has that changed a little bit? I know I'm, I know I'm older than you, but- Eight years older. Eight years older. Uh, but has that changed a little bit for you and how? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I always thought more was better. So, you know, the more I do, the better it is. The, the sore, the more sore I am, the better that is. The, you know, the longer the training session, the better that is. But no, I that's that's not the case so much anymore. I mean, one time-wise being a mom and, you know, having to work and all that stuff, that 
puts, you know, restraints on how much time I can spend in the gym, but also just learning more, um, being more educated about what actually benefits me the most. And it's not necessarily being in the gym for 90 minutes and then the next day getting up and not being able to walk. I mean, what benefits that? And then I can't go and do martial arts that night. I can't kick. I can't punch anything because I'm so sore that I'm pretty much useless. So yeah, that's definitely changed now. I mean, I still like to get in good quality sessions, obviously, but I'm more mindful of what that means. So again, what's, what's my goal? What's my end goal? You know, is it just to, is it aesthetics? I mean, a little bit, sure, but yeah, it's more performance now. How am I going to perform, um, in, in my martial arts class? How am I going to perform in that next Spartan race? So yeah, it's changed. The, the focus has definitely changed now. It's interesting too, as we've gotten along and uh, older and, and more mature and, and learn more about even understanding the body and how it works better. But I was just thinking the other day when uh, you have this great book and it was designed for biomechanics, but written by a professional dancer, I believe. Yes. And um, I can't recall the author, but I got you that book years and years ago, right? And um, yes, back in that day, I remember involving more and more total body integration into training. And at that time, I mean, I know that that's kind of more of what people do now, but 15, 20 years ago, it was a lot of separation training, I call it. It was, you know, chest or back or it was leg day, that sort of thing. And we were really, if I do say so myself, I think we were more cutting edge that way. But I remember reading that book and that was probably my first big influence, just thinking about how, let's look at what professional athletes are doing, especially dancers they're working their bodies. Gymnasts have these incredible bodies. They're working their bodies every day and all the muscles every day. So why is it that we're just emphasizing one muscle part per week? So how did that influence your training as you started to read that book and understand well, more? I actually didn't really think of it at the time, you know, being a new trainer, it was just kind of what felt right to me. And now, you know, years and years later, looking back saying, oh, well, yeah, no kidding. That's because I grew up as a dancer and that's what I was used to doing. That's how I was used to moving my body. It wasn't a piece by piece um, you know, plan, you can't, you can't dance piece by piece. You know, like you said, it takes your whole, your whole body. So I think it was just kind of naturally, that's just what I fell into because that was my, that was my life. You know, that's how I, that's how I trained through dance. So just using the full body and, um, not thinking of a body as, as different parts, but as systems that need to, to work together. So I'm not sure that, I mean, that book definitely, um, gave me a lot of good knowledge but um i think it was just kind of instinctual like oh yeah i was a dancer and this is how my body moved then and so now i'm gonna that's how my body's gonna move now yeah and i would say that going along this sort of evolution and understanding more about what training programs do what the stimulus does for us that sort of thing heavy weight versus lightweight that's another topic that we really want to make sure we cover today so when you lift heavy, for a female perspective, do we worry about getting too bulky? And before you answer that, let me say that when I first met you, although obviously you were in incredible shape, your 
upper body was not as relatively strong as your lower body. And I remember just thinking in a trainer perspective, I was giving you some some tips at the time and I think I even took you through a training session just kind of teaching you some things. But I remember thinking, wow, her, her relative strength in her upper body is really not equivalent. Do you remember that and, and how did that change your, your training programming? Um, yeah, I guess the, the first part where you talked about the, the heavy lifting, which I know we'll, we'll touch more on that, but um, yeah, I never really lifted heavy. It was always the same 15 to 20 reps of everything. So um, the heavy part of that really never came into my brain at that point. I don't know why. And again, maybe that's just how I always worked out. You know, it's like, okay, 15 to 20 reps of everything and make sure you get a good burn by the end, which I definitely still do those sessions um they have their place you know the accumulation has its place but the heavy yeah again especially with the upper body you know i couldn't do a pull-up until about three years ago you know i'm 39 oh my gosh i almost said 38 i'm 39 now and probably the first time i was able to do a pull-up on my own no assistance no bands with good form was three years ago and it's because you know yeah i strength trained and did things but i never thought about like how that would actually you know yeah i could do a pull-up that's that's pretty awesome you know um and you were you had to do a pull-up for your testing just to be clear and And that was before well for the spartan is why we originally started doing pull-ups because well gosh i gotta pull myself over that wall i've got to climb a rope i've got to you know do all these things and it's like yeah so i plus just that mental thing like i want to be able to do pull-ups like i think it's really cool for whatever silly however that sounds like yeah i want to be able to do pull-ups i just think it's cool (laughs) to be able to do that that's the point that i really hope that gets driven you know deep into our mindset because it gave you a sense of accomplishment to be able to do those pull-ups and realize that you should be able to do pull-ups that's not having the reasoning that men have more upper body strength women have more lower body strength uh relatively that's that that's no reason to not do pull-ups and my question has always been maybe a lot of female athletes can't do pull-ups because they don't train to do pull-ups. Well, if you don't have a reason to, then why are you gonna do it? Right, and and over the years, I am proud to say with the Pandola Training Facility, we have had a lot of our female athletes prove that they can do just as many pull-ups as our male athletes, if not more, actually, our record in the gym here was set by Logan Miller and still stands, who Logan is a female athlete and she was actually went to the olympic trials for the pole vault uh very very proud of her but strong strong athlete and obviously very relatively strong and she crushed everybody including me so um definitely have that perspective on things with somebody like you though going into the lightweight let's talk about that 15 to 20 rep Mm -hmm. category some people um believe that that lighter rep range is better and somehow it's going to be safer but also initially anything that a newbie does you are going to get results and i would say that when i first started working on strength training myself for my running goals same thing runners are told to go light and just do more reps for muscle endurance, which makes really no sense since we're already doing a ton of muscle endurance anyways. 
And the reasoning was because I was supposed to get stronger, but not any bigger. Now, on my side of things, I will tell you that the reason why most people who are elite distance runners are really elite distance runners is because their body was born for it. And it's really, really tough. Hard gainers is what you would call us. It's really tough to gain any muscle. It has to be very intentional. So that doesn't just happen. And most of my energy went towards running, obviously. So there was no extra energy to build size, but certainly it served the purpose of improving my strength for my running gait, which is what I needed. Now, in, in, in your case, I know you spent a lot of time in that 15 to 20 rep range. When did you realize that you had to get some variety into that range? Well, I don't know if this is good or bad, but it's actually not been too long since I realized that. I would say in the last you know, five or six years maybe, um, where you kind of start to realize, gosh, I've been training the same way for, for 20 years. So maybe it's time to um, introduce a new stimulus and see what happens. So I think that's probably the main point is, like you say, you know, and it holds true. What Do what you haven't been doing if you want something to change. So if you've been doing 15 to 20 reps at that 30% weight, well, maybe you need to switch it up. So I've been trying a new new system. Um, this may not work for everybody, but for me it seems to um, work really well is one week of accumulation. So that's those higher rep, lighter weight training sessions. And then you follow up the next week with your heavy lifts. So those, I mean, I don't get to the three rep range quite yet. I still am not quite as comfortable with that, but I would get to like the five or six on my heaviest, um, my heaviest set. So that works really, really well for me. One week accumulation, one week intensification, and I just alternate. Um, again, that would maybe change as I get closer to, um, a Spartan or if you have some event coming up but for me just having those different stimulus one week on one week off has been working extremely well for me yeah geez I just six to twelve reps is the rep range if I was forced to say what rep range are you going to be in it's going to be between six and twelve it's not extremely low and, and as heavy and it's not extremely high and as much accumulation so six and twelve is six to twelve is kind of the sweet spot so if anything I would tell people well do some sets at 12 work down towards six maybe go back up towards 12 and just vary it up enough that your body's not ever making um, you know, the adjustments so that you're still getting the effects you want. And ultimately, I think that going into those sort of more heavier sets, which is closer to maybe five or six reps, like you're talking about, that's intimidating to people because they don't think that they have uh, the skill set for it. They might be afraid they're going to get injured, things like that. And what you and I have talked about a lot, especially making the exercises for our app, for the Pandola training app, 
is that there's a lot of really good movements that aren't hard to learn that you can go safely but heavier in. So for example, hip thrust with a barbell off of a bench or off of the ground even, you can go heavier in those sets. And it's not that you can't get hurt, there's never any guarantees for that, but it's certainly a lot safer and the mechanics uh, can be very sound with somebody who's even newer to it. So. Do you do more of that sort of, I guess I would say, uh, safer lifts for you in those heavier ranges, or are you getting now into, say, deadlifts off the floor, et cetera? Oh, um, both. I do, depending, you know, maybe that initial set of the heavy set, I would go with something a little bit safer. Like you said, um, the hip thrust with the barbell, those are really great. Or say if you're going to do a heavy, uh, you want to get a heavy uh, Bulgarian split squat, but you're not ready just to go with that that six uh, rep weight. Um, you can always start with a little bit of assistance, you know, go, go heavy, but not at your heaviest and have a little bit of balance assistance for that first set. So you're like, okay, I feel good. I'm getting the range that I want. I feel stable. Um, and then you can increase from there. But I think like with anything, once you do it, and you realize that you can do it, then it just becomes easier from there. So no, I'm definitely m- so much more comfortable now doing the, the the traditional heavy, like the heavy deadlift from the floor or even an elevated, I guess would still be, um, you know, considered a good heavy lift, you know, an elevated RDL. Um, and then even back to those, uh, the split squats, I'm comfortable down to like my five rep max, you know, heavy, heavy weight now at this point but it was it's a learning process for sure sure and you mentioned before that you like to do accumulation week and then a intensification mm-hmm. week with the so over time you might be say really getting comfortable with your breathing and the mechanisms involved with say a deadlift with the accumulation sets even doing something like an atomic uh, deadlift, which that's maybe a version that uh, you'd have to check out with with us. We're also getting our YouTube channel started, and we'll start to show some of the variations we use so that there's proper supplemental. What I mean by supplemental is movements that are going to be similar or even almost identical to more complex movements, but just with some regressions to them ultimately so that you can work your way up to the more progressed or intimidating movement as it were. So going through these kind of phases, we have our sort of chick versus meathead exercises. And uh, I, okay, so I'm not, I've never really been a huge meathead. I did have those uh, modeling days where it was definitely more meatheadish back then, but I've never been overly concerned with my bench press, for example, that's just not in my language. And uh, the, the deadlift, if anything, was the, that was the exercise that meant the most to me because it i think involves more of what's called your dlc your deep longitudinal chain which is really important for uh, athletic performance so if i had to pick the most important of the big three the deadlift the squat or the bench press i would pick the deadlift now a lot of people they may or may not realize that the deadlift is the best the best movement you can do for your glutes, for example. So this is one of those things that a lot of female athletes 
are trying to get better at. So I thought I would ask you, what are your favorite and you know we say chick movements but we're we're saying that as as a joke really we understand that there shouldn't be a difference between the two really but in other words what movements do most female athletes get more excited about doing how is that going to serve you why do you like them and how did you progress to them so we'll take we'll start with that deadlift how do you progress to that deadlift and then also some of the misconceptions because you work with a lot of female athletes, a lot of f female competitors even that think by doing a bunch of sort of uh, squats and quite honestly, they're a lot of times front loading and, and not even really recruiting their glutes. And they think that they are doing it for their butt, but they're really not even focused as much. When I say that, I mean, in other words, the emphasis isn't on their glutes, but they might think it is, or they might feel it is. So talk about some of those misconceptions, some of the moves that you incorporate and why. So starting with the deadlift, um, I will do like a regular, you know, double leg, just a bilateral, you know, deadlift. But my favorite way to perform a deadlift is a single leg. Um, and it doesn't have to be the single leg, you know, if your your working leg is grounded, that's your that's your working leg and your other leg is, you know, balanced behind you floating. It doesn't have to be done that way if say your balance isn't great and you're worried about your form kind of being all over the place. But um, where you have your toe back, it's kind of hard to explain. So why the YouTube channel will be great because you can actually see what I'm talking about. Um, where you do have your, your back leg planted behind you, but very lightly. So it's just there for a little bit, a little bit of stability, but it really allows you to feel safe and get into that deep um, deadlift range. And at least for me, you know, and it depends on flexibility too. Like I'm pretty flexible in my hamstrings, so I can, I can work that, that range, you know, a bit more. Um, so that is probably for the deadlift, my favorite, I would say I stick with more of a single leg approach. Um, and then getting back to the Bulgarian split squats that we've brought up several times, but to me, that's just such a fantastic um, glute, hamstring, quad, everything, but I definitely feel that much more in my glutes and hamstrings than anything when I do them correctly. Um, so those maybe my top two deadlift um, and Bulgarian split squats as far as the, the glutes go. And then what I think we cannot ignore is some form of lateral movement. So um, to me, um, a lateral sliding lunge is awesome. Real quick, I just want to explain that lateral movements or frontal plane movements, you're moving your leg or your body to the left or to the right side of your of your plane or your body. So that's what lateral or frontal plane is. Yeah, so lateral or frontal sliders are awesome. Um, also a lateral slash frontal uh, cliffhanger. S uh, if you're not familiar with that term, you, you kind of like a like a step up onto a box, but the emphasis on the timing and the tempo and how you hold your weight is, is different. So um, again, just trying to get in like, you know, different planes. So you don't always wanna be just forward and back, right? You wanna get the, the lateral too. So. Uh, if I had to pick my top three, that would I say single leg deadlift and a split squat, Bulgarian split squat, and then a lateral slider, which all happen to be single leg, which I've realized more and more that's, I tend to be more unilateral um, training mostly. Yeah, we'll say 
that since especially I think we've been married, you had a bigger influence on me when it came to doing more leg training in general. And I, I guess in some ways, I will admit the aesthetics where I, for a few years, especially when I was when I was uh, younger, you you kind of tend to fall towards the upper body stuff for most guys. I think most girls fall more towards the lower body for obvious reasons. And we both, I think, made some changes in our training for different reasons. There's no good leg day for a runner. So that's first of all where it's it was hard for me to get to the point where I could get sore for a while and I didn't want it to affect my running too much. And But really I realized over time that was A, just an excuse and B, if I did it more frequently and I just embraced it and I stayed on it, then when I started to really increase my running volume or my training, my density for my running, say doing intervals on the track, as long as I was spreading it out and actually doing my leg work daily, then I actually started to feel better. I mean, don't get me wrong, it took me a few months before I felt that way, but I made that sacrifice finally where I didn't ever get overly sore. It's not like I was hobbling around, but during my easy running phase, and I made it, I extended it for a few months where I was able to now run a little bit sore, but not really affect me. And I was, was doing maybe some strides for speed work, some hill repeats, but nothing that was too intensive when it came to the conditioning. I focused more on bringing my leg strength up. And part of that was your influence on me because I saw what a great athlete you are with any sport that you really decide to do. And a lot of that came from how balanced and stable you are and really your foundation, your glutes are your roots is what we say. And honestly, that's you're obviously a living example of that. There's probably very few people who have the glute strength. And I mean, I'll just say it because you want the aesthetics that you do. So when somebody compliments, you've gotten a lot of compliments on your butt. As we all know, Les Nesbitt called it the super duper pooper when he first met you. And you didn't talk to him for like a year because you didn't like you didn't like that. You didn't know him at the time. Now you know that, uh, yeah, he's he's kind of perverted, but he's a great old guy. We love you, Les. Yes, we do. He's like a dad to us. So anyway, getting back to that is sure. And I think in the beginning, when I first met you, it was maybe a little bit more for the aesthetics. Uh, you had that, of course, that need as a professional dancer, that in part of your background also gave you a lot of, I'd say, advantages aesthetically. And I do want you to talk about that because sometimes people have never had an athletic background and they just have to realize they can get the same results, but it's they're gonna have to put in time. It didn't just come. And even after you had Mia, our beautiful daughter, we both, I think, started to make some changes because we wanted to be good examples for her. And with you, I know that a part of it, at least, was because you wanted to be a good role model and a strong mentor and figure and mommy to Mia to show her, wow, mommy can do push-ups and mommy just got her black belt and did a Spartan race and these things and just teaching her that it's about being healthy and happy and 
accept yourself for who you are, love yourself for who you are. That all became more important when we had Mia to really give her that example. And I just wanna reiterate that point that we're less and less about the aesthetics because we want to be that example and really practice what we preach. But then what we found is, wow, you know, we practice the, uh, the athletics and we train for that and the aesthetics are there. That's true. That's very true. I remember you told me that years and years ago, though. And we, I think we mentioned this on Chad Belding's podcast, what, a year ago when we did that? Um, but the aesthetics follow the athletics. So, yeah, whatever. If that you're an athlete and you're your sport then and you have that athletic background well then gosh you're gonna probably have some pretty good aesthetics too depending on what your sport is so when you had mia though and i just want to put it out there we've talked about this a few times but you you know well intentions well-meaning people but they would say oh just wait until you have a you know when wait until you're pregnant then afterwards you'll know what this is like. And anybody who still has baby weight on, we're not saying this to in any way uh, diminish your situation or, 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 uh, or say that we don't believe you, but we're just trying to tell you that if you get rid of the excuses, you can still get back to where you were before or if not even better with the right mindset and the right programming and of course the right rituals. So maybe speak on that a little bit. How how did you treat that coming back from being pregnant? Having We had a, a, a preemie. I mean, there was a lot of work and very little sleep in the first year. So how did you manage all that? Well, yeah, it did take me about a year actually to lose all that weight I gained quite a bit of weight when I was pregnant and um you know in my while I was pregnant in my mind I thought okay three months I'm going to give myself three months after I have this baby and I'm going to be back to how I was well that was very um unrealistic as Matt said you know schedules are completely different you you know you're caring for another person so that becomes a priority so you don't get to work out as much as you used to and you know, you don't have the energy that you did and your eating habits aren't great. You know, there's so many factors there. But yeah, I'd say it took me about a year and I think about three months in when I hit that point that I realized, oh, I'm not gonna do this in three months. Um, it was okay. I accepted that and I thought, okay, I'm just gonna I'm gonna keep just going on this road and like I say, it took me, yeah, a year. A year. I remember at nine months I was almost there and I remember, you know, thinking like this is pretty good. But yeah, a full twelve months to to get back to what I thought was acceptable or what was what I was used to. Um and in the grand scheme of things, you're like, gosh, now you know, now Mia's eight and it's like, Well, that was only a year. It's not so bad. It's fine. You know, it, there's there's time. There's time. Yeah, just well, and you're talking about being pregnant for nine months, and then, of course, the delivery, which all of that changing and stress and all of the different things that you have to deal with mentally, physically, with your rituals and your lifestyle and, and becoming a mother. So really, what you're talking about is you had an incremental change towards having Mia, and then you had incremental improvements towards getting back to where you were before. And that's the thing that I like to stress it's always about incremental improvements and just again the fact that you had a background beforehand oh, yeah that definitely helped yeah you can't I don't think you can expect um, if you haven't lived the life of um, 
you know that dedication and putting in the work that it's going to be you know a lot harder to come back from something if if you've never had that before so I think I was in a different position too that I was lucky that I that I did have the background that I did because that certainly helped me yeah and I think that look if you have realistic expectations and it's compared to what is is what you need to ask yourself no matter what you're coming back from first of all best version of you getting back to that point that's going to be a lot more doable with some good healthy habits and then just not looking at the magazine or at that other person or even somebody else who's a mother like you but looking at you and saying okay well i'm just going to just do exactly what Aaron does for next year and then I'll have the same results. Well, you weren't a professional dancer before that probably. So it's not going to necessarily be the same results. And, you know, you obviously have some some pretty good genetics as well. So I honestly don't believe I have very good genetics. I believe you have great genetics and that's I'm not taking anything away from you because I think a lot of people with really good genetics they tend to peak early so actually by the time they're a little bit older they didn't develop some of the healthy habits some of the things the rituals that actually allowed them to kind of keep that uh, health and fitness and with people like me I was slower to build up without as you know the I was a hard gainer that sort of thing but because I had to develop those rituals early on I started to actually kind of show the results probably more towards my 30s and and it just took me a long time but it was worth it so there's pluses and minuses but in either case you still have to be dedicated and you have to develop the right rituals for you let's move on to how we eat though so you and i we we eat pretty similar at this point i think that when we first uh we first got married it was a little bit different and so we should talk about what those differences are but you are Italian. I'm Italian. It's very important in our families that we sit down and eat pasta and break bread. And so one of the obvious differences for me is that I do think that I can have gluten, but I've got to be careful about how much of that I can have. I'm not completely, I don't, I don't have celiac or anything like that, but I'm a bit intolerant to too much of a good thing, right? So that's the big thing that's different between how you eat and I eat, because I feel like you can you can eat more of that, get away with it, but talk about that a little bit. Um, yeah, that's changed a bit. I mean, when I was, when we were first together, um, yeah, I, well, I still do, but what, what am I saying? <laughs> um, pasta is a huge deal, and my dad is a baker by hobby, not by his profession, but by hobby, so forever, my whole life he's always baked delicious breads and cinnamon rolls and you know anything that you want to eat he can bake it and so I just that was kind of always in my in my my nutrition was breads and pastas and I grew up like that and I never thought anything was wrong or bad about that um and I still can do that I don't have any you know negative effects from that but I will say now being married to you and you having to be a little more careful on the the gluten intake and now we do get more of like chickpea pasta or edamame pasta or quinoa pasta or something that is gluten-free 
I'm fine with that. Like I, I can eat that and it satisfies me and it's good. And you know, maybe there are certain times where I'm like, gosh, I actually do feel better after eating that versus some really heavy, it's the heavy, you know, starchy, um, foods that can kind of weigh you down. And I think as I've gotten older, um, maybe it affects me more now. So that's changed a little bit, I think. I think a lot of people would like to hear about your nutrition, uh, specifically talking about calories, for example. We talk about calories in versus calories out a lot of times um, on this podcast, but wanting people to know that, of course, we don't like to diet. We like to eat and train, and we also we want to think about things long term. You know how how are how are these long term results going to affect my goals and how I want to live? And um, I need to eat to reflect that. And so making good choices. But has that differed from when you were say younger or dancer? till now how do you think about food calories and your choices uh yes i don't count calories the number one i i went through a phase much younger gosh i think i was still in high school where i i did i had a little notebook and i wrote down everything i ate and it was to count the calories and i think that was the influence of that's just the way it was back when i was dancing at that age you know you did kind of want to maintain a certain weight and a certain look so I definitely don't do that anymore. And I have to say that's feel better than ever not doing that. I like to keep the nutrition very simple. Um, you pick healthy, good, nutritious foods and you can't really go wrong, you know? And yeah, we do have our, um, our days where we're not as, not as careful and that's okay because you earn that. And it just, I think that putting too much emphasis on it and like oh gosh I can only eat these certain things and I can only eat at these certain times and I have to have my my pre-prepped you know six meals a day that all have all my macros and I I mean for some people that works and I think that's great for me it's just too much work and <laughs> I could not stick to that so my nutrition I think is very simple you just pick healthy nutritious foods and you can't really can't really mess that up too much yeah, and I think we could definitely in a future podcast we'll share more about maybe just some of the simple recipes that we use. Of course, and I don't cook. Well, <laughs> I do now. But <laughs> Matt joked when we first got married, it was like, oh man, it was a struggle because I've never enjoyed cooking. My my brother and my sister just gosh, they're they well, my sister's still amazing, amazing chef. Um, just wasn't in my, I just didn't care enough, but you know, and I've gotten to cooking more, but yeah, we definitely have some good, we could do a podcast on some very simple, um, healthy and cost effective. You know, that's the other thing is people spend so much money on all these things. It's like, but, but why you don't, you don't have to, you know, keep it, keep it simple, cost effective, delicious and good for you. Those are, you know, very simple, uh, things you can do daily. So just give me a few of your favorite foods. What, what, what staple foods do you, do you eat? Um, so what we always, always have in the house um, is fruit, of course. So that could be anything what's in season right now. It's just been some grapes, oranges, and apples. But that's always, you know, you can mix that frozen berries. So fruit, uh, veggies. I love those mixed um, bell peppers. So you get the bag of the mini bell peppers. So you can either chop those up to put in salads or pasta, you know, however you want to do that. Or you just rinse them and eat them out of the bag. Mia, our daughter, that's one of her favorite things. I'll rinse out a bowl of uh, mixed bell peppers and she just eats them for a snack. Um, so 
eggs so fruits veggies eggs love eggs um always have eggs around some form of you know yogurt whether that's the triple zero yogurt sometimes we go with full fat yogurt just depending oatmeal is another good one any some some kind of i'm not we do eat meat not not vegetarian by any means but um i i don't think we eat as much meat as maybe the general population i don't know what the comparison is to that but some kind of protein like a um, an animal protein i guess we'll have chicken ground beef um fish is always good you get the frozen um you can get frozen fish that from costco that is good or i'm sure other places too whole foods um so yeah those are the main fruits veggies eggs yogurt fish yeah something something again keep it simple i don't we don't have um i know matt will complain sometimes that we don't have a whole lot to eat but i'm like well you could make oatmeal you could make eggs you could do this you could do that so i mean yeah we could do a whole we could do another little mini podcast on some simple recipes yeah well we make we're both very busy and that's where of course sometimes we have the same stew like three nights in a row and then that's where but that it's the truth is that we don't have to have as much um, variety every single day if it's going to be if it's going to work for our schedules uh, keeping it simple and just eating the leftovers and making a bunch at once that helps with our other goals so that's yeah. something we have to do that is a good point i didn't think about that but the crock pot i love the crock pot and yeah i mean i matt gives me about three nights and then we've got to switch it up but that's pretty good like i'll make you know beef stew and or you know there's so many options but yeah the crock pot is definitely a good a good tool yeah and i don't think that when it comes to you mentioned fruit for example i think people would love to know that you're actually not afraid to eat fruit like the sugar is not bad right and then of course when it comes to you said meat we don't eat a ton of meat we do eat some but we're probably comparing it to what we grew up with i don't eat nearly as much meat as i did growing up and um, that was just kind of a staple in my house always red meat with everything it seemed like um, so we we eat a little bit different than that kind of being health conscious and know, knowing that we have other options that w we need to have some uh, variety with and of course we eat breakfast at dinner if we want to right so eggs at, at night and things like that whatever's going to be simple and sometimes uh, again we just want to we just want to kind of spend more time playing uh, a family game than cooking and that's just our mindset although we know people like the stokers who think that cooking or your or your parents for that matter to think that cooking is a family ritual that everybody gets involved with and enjoys doing we just don't happen to love cooking no <laughs> so and when we come to um you know just how we have our rituals in our life we, how we do things day to day i'd like to just kind of talk a little bit about what it is that allows you to train daily and stay consistent and 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 be able to stay consistent with your nutrition and so what rituals do you have in place that kind of allow you to stay with those goals consistently generally getting up i don't get up at the same time every day but i would say anywhere between you know within an hour of so between five and six let's say um so again i'm an early person i like the morning so i've always worked out in the mornings that's my favorite time so yeah that's one one tradition or ritual i guess where i get up and i wake up a little bit and then i go work out so 
that gets my day started off really well. Um, and so yeah, step one, get up, work out. Step two, come home. I generally like to shower, get ready for the day so that I'm just, I'm ready and I feel like, okay, now I, now I can carry on the rest of my day. And then you know, when Mia was in school, now that school's been out, it's changed things a little bit, but you know, you drop her at school and then go to work. So there is a certain pattern and then you pick her up from school and then we go do our martial arts class together and then you come home and do homework and eat dinner. So I do like a routine. I do like having a schedule, knowing that um, this is gonna happen at this time every day if I want it to. So that's that's big for me. Yeah, and it's it's always evolving in this uh, time of, of the COVID virus, for example. We have a lot of rituals that have changed for us, and we've had to make adjustments because obviously every, our environment has changed. And so sometimes rituals are, well, they're exactly what can keep you going, but sometimes they have to change, otherwise they can hold you back. So, so there are some times when we actually need to change our routines and our rituals to make it work now, and so we can focus now on what's going to improve or, or help us to move forward. And so in the next podcast, we're gonna be talking on Monday Motivation about how we're staying attached to our community but but uh, obviously with the training app that we're offering we're giving these movements for everybody who's emailing us giving them programs that can help them but also offering health tips uh, our newsletter we're putting that stuff out but all of that changed quite a bit because we went from brick and mortar and that being the majority of our day to now online being the majority of our day so we can continue to help people but with a distance and so we'll talk about that in detail with monday motivation we know that there's a lot of people out there who definitely want some more answers and what they can do so definitely sign up for our uh, newsletter and get on our app and you'll be able to uh, be in this journey with us we'll be able to help you more but i just like to kind of finish with our why and i'll start with legacy right so when i first got into this industry and i first got going i didn't know i was going to have um, a daughter or a wife or any of those things and i definitely had i think my main perspective for me was wanted to help people and i i think most trainers you talk to that's when you why are you getting into this i want to help people so that was a passion of mine but now my legacy it, it definitely is intertwined with with our family and my daughter our daughter i should say mia so as parents we have made some big changes i think in our thinking nothing not nothing could have prepared us for being parents but once you're there you just you find a way and and you figure it out and uh, just you know the simple things with mia being a good influence being a good role model but i think i eat better now i think i train smarter i think that i i actually work a lot but at the same time we both work smarter because we want to be able to spend more time with mia and so just that even strengthens our resolve to be more organized to have better rituals to to really stick with our routines and so 
you know, so many little things there that I've really learned a lot more about myself so that we can enjoy our lives together more. When Mia is playing and she's having fun, that's all I care about. When she's healthy and happy, that's what makes me happy. And so, uh, you know, a lot of things there, we could even talk in a future podcast about how we, you know, influence Mia or what we do as parents for Mia, um, what her training is like, which, you know, hint, hint right now is just playing all the time and setting up fun circuits for her and things like that. But when, when we have... Uh, we had ice cream last night with our movie and just, you know, having those different sort of perspectives, whereas for a while when I was younger, it's like, oh, no, no sugar ever. You know, I, I've just definitely changed a lot of my mindset for that. But I'll let you finish up with how has all of this affected you and, and, and what kind of advice would you give your younger self about what's important for your why and your legacy? Well, like you said, when you're younger, it's different. So now that I'm older, I, with Mia being the main focus, um, I don't think you can lose sight of, of yourself and all that either, though, because if you're not healthy and you're not happy, then your your child is going to pick up on that, and then they're not going to be as health, healthy and happy as they could be. So she is my, my number one priority, but that means I also have to keep myself at my my best for her because she knows if i'm not and she can tell so um best advice is again it's kind of like the nutrition just keep it simple enjoy the simple things like you're saying you know you're watching her play and she's running around and she's just so happy and we're at the park and it's like that makes her whole day so so why not like let her let her just be a kid and, and be there to support her and you know let her grow like that and i always I, i've told her this since she was a when she was a baby or you know since she could understand me but speaking spanish i say cuando mia está feliz and she would say mama está feliz so that just means when mia's happy mommy's happy so very simple wow that's very so with that guys thanks for listening and remember that you can get our training that we're talking about today on our app we are offering it free to everyone who wants it right now and you know i will say that in this time because aaron and i have been working hard at putting these videos together even doing the truly at home videos we even decided for this series that we're putting out next that we should do the series at home mostly so that people could see that we're at home doing it too and it's a little bit more familiar to you using some stairs than using a um, let's say a plyo box or something so we we definitely think that these training progressions will work for people who really want to follow them just go ahead and go to our website you can sign up for our newsletter but separately you can email Aaron for getting on to our app. What's that, Aaron? Yes. Yeah, so for the um, online the app workouts, you can email me directly, Aaron at PendolaTraining.com. So that will give me all your info and I can um, get you an account on our app for free. Um, and then like Matt said, the newsletter is a separate sign up on our homepage, PendolaTraining.com. On the homepage, um, there is a link there where you can sign up for the newsletter. So you can do both of those things. Fantastic. So just remember, you can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, follow us on the gram. The right? gram. The gram. And of course, we have on our 
Pendola Project podcast, the reviews. Um, if you can, if you like us, if you give us stars, if you give us those reviews, it really helps us to be able to get ranked higher, get out there more, and we would really appreciate it. Yes, please take just one or two minutes. Give us a doesn't have to be lengthy. Just give us a little little shout out. That would be very much appreciated. Yeah, man. Okay, well, we'll see you next time. It's going to be Aaron and myself for the next few podcasts. Let us know what you think. Thank you. Yeah, man.